Hello, Tanith, and, and welcome to my podcast. So today is South Africa's Youth Day, um, which has its roots, you know, in deep and dark oppression. Um, but today is also the day of the African child from an African continental perspective. And it has the same roots. So it comes from the same background in terms of what happened on June 16th, 1976. So I wanted to get a perspective in terms of where are we um, as the African continent when it comes to the African child, so to speak, and Youth Day from a South African perspective. So today I wanted to speak to you about what exactly would you say are the challenges that the youth of Africa face today? Okay, when you Google challenges for youth in Africa, it comes up with failure to succeed in education systems, family problems, substance abuse, etc. And coming from a privileged minority point of view, I don't understand these things. And the fact that these are so there's so many African children, African youth that are facing these issues on the daily that I don't see and I will never be able to experience because I come from that point of view. And because we have such big class divides in Africa, I don't even feel like I'm living on the same continent as them. And that is what we need to fix. Also, when you Google challenges for youth in Africa, it comes up with negative stereotyping. And that negative stereotyping is all of the issues that come with, you know, the substance abuse, the family problems, which is all what they are facing. So that sense of negative stereotyping is coming from the majority. What do you mean when you say negative stereotyping? So are you saying that it's negative stereotyping against the youth? Yes. That substance abuse is something that is you know, all youth it, are, are, are having substance abuse issues or are abusing substances. It's a negative stereotype, but because it's coming from the majority, they, I don't want to say that there's a need for the stereotype, but that's where the stereotype comes from, that because there is so many, it is, that's why there's a stereotype. So if I have to say to you, um, you know, how do we fix this then? So what would be what would be some of the things that you would say to me are the things that need to be fixed so i'm i'm the previous generation we are the current generation so to speak right what are the things that we need to do before we hand over the continent to obviously to an older generation to you but what are the things that we would need to do to correct some of the things that we have done in 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 fixing the continent as you know i'm quite the feminist so (laughs) my main issue would be that there's obviously a sense of like toxic masculinity mainly from your generation obviously generations before you guys um i don't need to target anyone but the point is that that is that is what you are teaching your children what are we teaching our children so not obviously not you but obviously not me um, <laughs> what are we teaching our children so, so toxic males and males who are entitled etc okay um are teaching their sons that that is okay they're sons of my generation okay so that that's an issue that you have control of as a parent but if you're not a parent then obviously you don't have control over that sure. but the things like climate change and when we're telling you that there's an issue and 
you're not responding or you're saying, oh no, it's fake news. But obviously now people have started to understand because you can see it and you we're feeling the effects of it. But before, no one listened to what the scientists were saying and what we were fighting for. And now when we talk about racism and how we don't want to grow up in a world where like uh, someone feels like they can't go somewhere because someone's going to shoot them when we say that it's not our generation that is the issue who is doing the things in the world you your generation and generations that are older than us but younger than you are doing those things and are not listening to what we have to say because when we go into the world it's not going to be them who are feeling the effects of their actions so i think it's a it's about understanding that these generations after you and the effect your little action the little thing that you said can completely disrupt a culture or a group of people or make them feel less than or marginalize against them even if it's something so small and keep make them keep on fighting for equality and feel like they have to so while we're on that it's a case of now saying um so you're 13 going on 14 right um you're not the 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 current youth so to speak so you're not over the age of 18. what are some of the challenges that because you're speaking about you know some of the things that you are saying as as your generation um but you've you're seen as fairly young what are some of the challenges that you are facing as a person who wants to make an impact what are some of the challenges that you are facing in trying to get your voice, not necessarily only you, but your, you know, those who want to, what are some of the challenges that you are facing in getting your voices heard because people assume that you are young, you are too young almost? Um, so I've always been, oh, you have made me aware of what's going on in the world around me. From like such a young age, I've always understood what's going on because nothing has been hidden from us. We've understood that there are issues with the world from such a young age. And organizations don't expect you to understand that there are so many issues with the world and they don't expect you to be mature about it from such a young age. And they haven't adapted to the fact that this is happening and that we want to make a difference in the small ways that we can. We want to make a difference, but they won't allow you to do certain things unless you're over the age of 18. They won't allow you to contribute unless you're over a certain age. And even though we're young and we still have a couple of years to go into, the, like we still have a couple of years left to go into the world. The point is that we're still gonna go into the world and we still want to make sure that when we go into the world, it's, it's up to our standards, it's good enough for us to then go in and make a meaningful difference. But for now, we want to just make a difference in our immediate communities because that's where we're growing up. And I think that was why I started Jenny Equal because if we don't make our own opportunities to make a difference, then there are no opportunities for us to make a difference. So when we get called lazy, especially like and if you're under the age, like maybe like 16 under the age there, we get called lazy because we don't want to help our communities but there's no opportunities for us to help our communities you have to be over a certain age because people think that you're not mature enough to handle it and i've been doing stuff from eight because you've exposed me to what's going on maybe not in my immediate immediate community but what's going on in communities around me that are comp- that are not as privileged as the one i'm in and i just think 
that they should start to understand that we want to make a difference because we want it to be a better place for us and our and future generations. Okay, so speaking of which, um, you got a very rare, <laughs> I'm beginning to understand, a very rare opportunity um, to, to be part of a Harvard program. Um, privileged <laughs> but not so much in terms of the fact that you obviously had to apply you had to go through uh, quite a stringent process and you know you you had to make your your voice heard and and good for you well done that <laughs> your voice was heard and you now are starting this program well in the early hours of tonight tomorrow morning kind of a thing um what and it's about foreign policy what is it that you are going into this program as a very young person that you're saying you want to be given the chance to have a voice to speak out to you know make a difference to be heard basically what are some of the things that you are anticipating or going into this program um thinking about as you enter a harvard program it's still a harvard program at the end of the day it doesn't matter that it's for youngsters it's still a harvard program um and it's around foreign policy interestingly enough so what are some of the things that you're thinking about as you go or enter into this program so obviously i'm thinking about the fact that i come from a continent that is seen as lesser than um but yet we are the future because we are the youngest continent in the sense that we have the highest population of youth. In the future, it is going to be the African continent that will run the world from a workforce perspective. I think the main reason why I'm doing this too is when I'm older to be able to understand and learn how I can position Africa from a foreign policy point of view, understanding that today we are seen as less. However, by the time I am part of the workforce, technically the world will be Africanized. Oh, absolutely, because that's 10 years from now. So 10 years from now, it is, you know, um, 2031. So 2031 is the year after the SDGs should have been achieved. The year after um, the African women's or decade of African women's economic and financial inclusion should have been achieved. In South Africa, the NDP or National Development Plan should have been achieved. There's a lot riding on the year 2030. So if I have to ask you, what do you think the world's going to look like? in the year 2031. One perspective, I want to believe that this is all true and that we would have evolutionized and we would have started to understand that this, the world is a, like not a great place and that we have to do something about it. But my the, the other part of me is saying that how many years ago they were like, oh, in 2020, there's gonna be flying cars. And now there is so many bad things happening that I don't even want to go into the world anymore because I'm so scared of what my future looks like. So I want to think when I'm older, there'll only be minimal things that I will have to solve and that we won't have to fix anything, but make it better and do go the extra mile just to make it a little bit better. And you know, it will just be perfect, which obviously is never the case. But I, I think that we will I think there will be some sort of change, but not very significant because people always set these goals and almost brainwash us into thinking we've achieved that. 
And that's what hurts me the most is that I see activists, I see people fighting and then nothing happens. They tell you something's gonna happen. And then a couple of years time, nothing does. You see small changes, but then there's a whole nother issue that you have to solve. So what's the problem? The problem is no one is listening and no one is taking it seriously. Who's no one? People who are in positions of power, so leadership. And I understand that some are trying to do their best, but it's they're not doing as much as they think they are. And I think that's the saddest part, is that we don't have strong enough leaders who are able to manage that and more. So if you had one piece of advice for these positions or people in power, um, bearing in mind that the G7 has just happened and, uh, you know, that's the most powerful seven countries in the world that get together and talk about what they're going to do and how they're going to impact the world. And considering that that has just happened, what would you say would be the the one thing that you would say to those G7 and the four guest countries that they had, um, what would you, what, what message would you give those, those G7 leaders today? If you are going to say that you're going to do something, then you have to follow through with it. It's not, I'm going to say this to make people happy and to make them feel like they've made a change, but I'm just going to sit back and let it happen. They need to deliver on what they say they're going to do. They need to be meaningful and tangible differences that we as the people can see. And they need to measure on these differences because if they don't, then we're gonna go back. It's actually gonna be worse than before the SDGs were developed and we're not gonna see change. There's gonna be more problems to fix than we already had. Okay. You are a G7 leader. What is the first thing that you fight for? as one of the G7 leaders around the table? Um, my very strong feminist points of view is going to be coming out, but I think because I've been brought up in a country where rape is something that is so, I don't wanna say normal, but it is. When you hear someone's been raped, it's not, oh my God, it's, you know, I'm sorry that happened, but because there are so many people that have gone through it and because we are the rape capital of the world, the fact that the entitlement that comes from men who do that, that roots from gender, like major gender inequality. Okay. Um, when I go into the world, the first thing that I would want to fix is the gender inequality because I've seen it happen so many times and it's really important to me that my children wouldn't have to go through that or as bad as that. Okay. So I'm getting grandchildren, I suppose. <laughs> no one said that. <laughs> um, thank you, Tanith. And, and truly, I hope that in 10 years' time, when we do this podcast, and I'm really old at that stage, um, we are able to have a conversation that is, I suppose, more inspiring or more hopeful um, at that point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.